Welcome to the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast, insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. It's wonderful to have you with us. Um, thanks again for the feedback we've been receiving. We know that people have been enjoying these. They're helpful, and uh, that's our goal. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes or Podbean, and it will tell you as soon as the next version comes out. We also encourage you, if you would, to post this on your Facebook page or your church page. Just let people know that this is available. We'd like people to use this, obviously, within our network and even beyond, because this resource uh, could be helpful to many. So if you could do that for us, we appreciate it. But thanks again for joining us. Um, Today is part two uh, of a podcast we started last month on emotional health. And as I mentioned last month, uh, we have Steve Chupp with us uh, lead pastor of Harvest Community Church for 36 years in Goshen, Indiana, a licensed church. And since then, uh, since 2015, he, he turned that over to his successor, and he's continued to serve as a member of LifeLink's Apostolic Council, and he's also a church consultant and a conference speaker. And particularly right now, he's taking all of this into the marketplace as a resilience trainer and public speaker and so uh, he's equipping business professionals to turn stress into opportunities for growth and development. His website, as I mentioned last time, is www.stevechup.com. And so today we're going to continue with our discussion on emotional health. Um, last week, our last podcast, we talked about the backstory. Steve shared details on uh, why this is important to him and how this issue has personally affected his life and also um, why we as church leaders should be concerned about emotional health. He gave us some advice uh, uh, about that, as well as defining what emotional health is. And then at the very end of the podcast, he gave us some very basic steps about how we could already begin to become emotionally healthier. So if you missed that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to part one, but you can certainly continue today with part two. So Steve, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you very much, Ian. This is a great topic for leaders, and I really appreciate the LifeLinks podcast and podcast and how they're helping people. Well, thank you, Steve. Thanks for your involvement. This is going to make a big difference in so many lives. So let's pick up where we left off last time, and um, that's, I want to start with this today. Um, what is it? Now, you gave us a list of things that we could do to become uh, emotionally healthy, but let me just ask you this. What are some other things that keep us from this emotional health, that keep us from actually doing the things you mentioned and, and, and actually just prevent us, period, from becoming emotionally healthy? That's a great question because last time we talked about things like exercise and family and friends and gratitude and taking a Sabbath and things like that. But I find that uh, there are a number of people, and maybe most of us, that has some inward things that are kind of undermining our emotional health. And even though we do the lifestyle type things, there are some what I call underminers. We have some overcomer types of lifestyle things, but we also have some underminers that are working inside. And if we don't address those broken areas of our lives, then we can't become emotionally healthy. So mm-hmm. let me mention a few of those. I think the first one that I've seen in a lot of people is a distorted God image. We're not clear, and it's funny how that even as leaders, actually it's not funny, it's just weird, how we as leaders still have a difficult and maybe distorted image of God. I remember when I was first starting out as a pastor, I remember praying this many times. I said, God, I'm going to represent you to a lot of people here. You've given me a big platform, and I want to get that right. 
but I'm, I got some bad ideas growing up. Well, the way I like to think about it is sometimes growing up, we miss out on some big chunks of God. There are things that we don't experience about God may have to do with our family background or negative life experiences or whatever. And they mess up how we think about God. Somebody said, we don't experience with God what we don't experience with people. Oh, wow. And if in our early years, we don't get this loving, unconditional, gracious approach toward us that important people in our lives are supposed to give us, then we kind of transfer that over to God and we think, well, that must be the way God is. Or maybe there's something wrong with me. So what is we end up coming up with this distorted God image and we don't see God as the loving and yet just uh, wonderful father figure that he really is. And sometimes father figure carries a bad connotation. So sometimes we, we don't experience with God what we don't experience with people. And then the same person said, I learned a distorted God image in relationship with others. It will take relationship with others to correct it. That's profound. Wow. And one example that comes to mind for me, uh, Ian, you know, Keith Hazel was one of the founders of maybe the main founder of Life Links along with others, of course. But Keith was the kind of guy that showed us what God was like in very particular areas. And I think one of the things that made Keith very attractive to a lot of people is he restored some of those chunks of God that we missed out on. Wow, powerful. He was this loving, caring, jovial, funny guy that made us believe that we had something to offer humanity and gave us confidence and encouragement and this love. And there are lots of people like that that are in lifelinks today that still give us that. Each one gives something different. And that's what I think is so amazing. And I think we need to spend some time with those people. I know there were two or three people. Keith was one of them. Maybe three or four people in my life over the years that I can look back at, at those people and say, you know what? They helped me clear up a distorted God image because I thought, would God love any less than they do? Would God care? Would he, he believe in me any less? Why do I think he wouldn't? Yeah, it's good. And so that's the first thing. I think we can we can become a lot more emotionally healthy if we if we get our God image kind of cleared up and straightened out and find out what God's really like. And of course, God can do that sovereignly, but He often does that through other people, and well, of course, He does it through His Word as well. We need God with skin on, don't we? We need those people in our lives. We really do. We do, and that's the way He created us with that need. Yep. Mm. The second area I think about is living that undermines our emotional health is living with a shame-based identity. We experience shame, and this is a big one that I see in people. There are families that are shame-based. There are families where there's this sense of we're bad, not that we did something bad. Guilt is I did something bad, I can do something about it. Shame is I am bad, and it's a state of being, and there's nothing that can be done about it. Wow. And Powerful. this happens in family. I, I think alcoholic families especially struggle under that burden, is that we have this secret, we have this problem, we're bad, we can't get this right, we can't make dad or mom stop drinking, there must be something wrong with me. And abuse also breeds shame. Uh, when kids are abused verbally, emotionally, sexually, they, they come into this world uh, later on thinking, wow, you know what, um, there must be something wrong with me that I deserve that, I earned that. Uh, why couldn't I make that person stop? And so we end up ashamed. 
a real sense of there's something wrong with me and, and at the root of shame is self-hatred. We have a hard time really loving ourselves and valuing ourselves and being, well, actually emotionally healthy related to ourselves. We don't relate to ourselves well. And it's crazy. You know, people do cutting. They do other self-destructive things and because of that. Brennan Manning was a guy that actually struggled with uh, alcoholism himself, and he made this really powerful statement. He said, you can't hate yourself and feel loved by God. What a statement. And I think there's some really deep truth in that, that if we have a hard time loving ourselves, we have to get through that muck in order to get to the place where we really feel God's love as well. And so shame is that thing that keeps us hating ourselves, thinking that we're bad, that we're damaged good, that there's no remedy. Isaiah 54.4 says, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. And I can look at over the years through people that God's brought into my life, through some healing that he's brought, through helping me understand the difference between guilt and shame, that if I did something wrong, it could be remedied. I'm not damaged goods. I'm not always going to be um, hurting or whatever it might be. But Isaiah 54, 4, you will no longer live in shame. God can lift that shame from us. And we need to work on, there's a lot of things that can be done that we say about that, but we need to work on that shame-based identity if we're going to become healthy emotionally. Wow. And I, I love the statement you made that how important it is for us to be able to deal with ourselves, just how we relate mm-hmm. to even our own self. That That's amazing. That not something we always think about, but you know, yep. we how can you're right? How can we love God, love others if we hate ourselves? If we don't, yeah, we despise or live in this. That's a powerful statement. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. And then another one is uh, something that happens to us maybe early on is where we end up picking up what I call emotional or irrational lies. We end up with these wrong beliefs inside that get us in trouble. Here's the way one guy said it. He said, if I was a good devil, I would watch somebody go through a very traumatic experience, maybe the divorce of a parent or emotional or physical or sexual abuse. And during their, in the midst of that incident, this guy was saying, if I was a good devil, I would plant a lie inside that person's mind, speak a lie inside that person's mind or spirit at that time. And because they're going through a traumatic incident, they would likely believe the lie. And then this guy said, if I was a good devil, I could plant that lie and walk away from them for the rest of their lives, and they would self-destruct. Wow. And those are especially identity lies. Things that come up like, I'm such a stupid person. What happened to me was my fault. I deserve to be mistreated. No one really cares about me. I'm all alone. I can't count on other people. And so these really self-destructive lies come in. For example, I talked to a 15-year-old one time, and his parents had gone through a divorce. This guy was 15. The divorce had happened earlier, maybe when he was 9 or 10, which is a really rough time for his parents to go through a divorce. I could not talk that guy out of the fact that he was responsible for his parents' divorce. Somehow in that traumatic incident, the devil had put in his mind he, he was at fault. When I asked him what he did to contribute to the divorce, he had nothing to say. But he was totally convinced that he was responsible for his parents' divorce. Amazing. What happened to me was my fault. 
And so the devil, it says in John 8, 44, he's a murderer from the beginning, always hated the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I found that sometimes we go through these traumatic experiences that leave us with these deeply embedded emotional messages. And somehow we got to challenge those messages and break the power of those emotional lies in our lives. Because there, there are things that just keep coming up over and over. Something negative happens. Uh, maybe now we're leaders in the church, and something negative happens, and this thing comes back to I'm such a stupid person, or I deserve this, or it was my fault, or I'm all alone on this. I can't count on other people. Whatever it is, those kind of identity lies or destructive lies start cropping up. And so there are things that that we can actually start doing about that. One of them is we need to question those things. We need to identify them. We need to question yeah. them. Mm. And we need to, as as one of my rocket scientists, my one of my friends who's a rocket scientist, I literally said, <laughs> we need to start sowing seeds of doubt into our wrong emotional beliefs. I like that. We need to say, now, wait a minute. That yeah. is not true. Here's evidence to the contrary. And then we can also break that God breaks the power of those lies by telling us what is true. And sometimes I've actually taken, I've had some of those in my life through traumatic incidents. I go back to God and say, God, would you tell me the truth about that? What yeah. is really true? And lots of times some, he'll whisper something quietly in my spirit, and it just breaks the power of that lie. So I say, God, what is it that I'm believing that's wrong how can you break that? Sometimes praying with another person really helps to be able to expose that lie and break the power of it. But that's a biggie. Yeah. Rational or emotional lies that we believe about ourselves. Well, you know, I just resonate with that, Steve. One of the biggest things for Val, my wife and I, was uh, ministry we had regarding this. And, and a book that we use, I don't know if it's still in print, it's older now, it's called Telling Yourself the Truth by William Backus. And, um, Mm-hmm. They have what they call misbelief therapy. It's just he's a he's a Christian author. He just uses that as a kind of a technical term. But basically, it's it's identifying the lie, and then um, uh, you know identifying the truth and the scripture to back it up. We, my wife and I, actually went through this one time where we uh, went through a process of just literally. I hate to admit it, but writing pages <laughs> of lies <laughs> we believe as the Holy Spirit began to speak to us. Um, all sorts of lies. Like for me, one of them was, I will never be good enough. I can never please others. I will never be good enough, which actually came from my childhood when I, I had a perfectionist father. I loved him dearly, but he was he was a perfectionist. I could never mm-hmm. do well mm-hmm. enough. And, and so I believed that lie because of it. I, you know, the devil planted it, like you said, and I believe I will never be good enough. I, I can never do anything perfect. Therefore, nothing is ever quite right. And so we had to deal with some of those, but we had like pages of this. So we identified these. God gave us these lies. We wrote them down in statements. And then we asked him, like you said, what's the truth? And God gave us statements of what the truth was. But more than that, scriptures, you know, here's in the Bible, the scripture. And so yeah. what we literally did is we we broke agreement with every one of those. Uh, we went through and said, God, forgive me for believing this. And I renounce my agreement with it. Father, forgive me. I break uh, its hold on me now in Jesus' name. And now I affirm, God, that the truth is this and your word says this. And we literally did that for over a month every day on those things once we broke them. And I've got to say, it made a difference. But, but I would concur with you, Steve. These are deep-held beliefs 
And sometimes we think maybe just dealing with it once or maybe declaring that once is going to be enough. I have found in my life that actually it requires some effort, and you probably have found the same. It, it needs to be reinforced. Uh, even today I have to go back and remind myself of truth at times because that old lie wants to, to rise up. So anyway, that's my personal story. I just couldn't resonate more with that statement. I think what you're saying there is so brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, these things come up, and they become emotionally charged. Where Rationally, we may know different. But on, a, on an emotional level, we live that way. And emotion often de- uh, trumps rationale. Mm. Even though we know better, we still go to that default emotion because that message was given to us under emotional circumstances and it kind of branded us. Yes. And so it takes some effort and some power of God and truth to come in there and peck away at that thing and make it right. No, that's good, Steve. Thank you for what you've shared and and I uh, appreciate yeah. that. So, Steve, just as we prepare to conclude the podcast here, do you have any advice specifically about everyday stress? We've been talking about some of the heavier issues, the underlying beliefs, but what about just dealing with the normal everyday stress, even aside from that? Sure. Uh, one of the definitions I like about of stress that's very helpful, it's kind of a working definition, is stress is the brain's reaction to a perceived threat. So if we're feeling like there's a threat out there, we start getting anxious. We react with anxiety, and then we fall prey to unhelpful automatic thinking. Mm. So it affects our feelings, and it affects our thoughts. For example, can't get the computer to work, we get upset, and then we think we're stupid. So we come up with this thinking. We get anxious. So the first thing that we can do to, to help is to really calm our anxiety. David said in Psalm 131, verse 2, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Can we do that? And one of the ways that I found that's very helpful to do it is the way police officers do it. They call it combat breathing. Wow. Uh, uh, military people do it as well. And what they do is there's a, there's a nerve down at the bottom of your abdomen called the vagus nerve. It actually runs from your brain down to the bottom of your abdomen. And deep breathing stimulates that nerve and actually calms down your whole body. So breathing in deeply for four seconds, holding it four seconds, exhaling for four seconds, holding it four seconds is a natural tranquilizer. It's amazing. It's a God-given thing that God gives us because when we get anxious, we start breathing short and shallow and we get all uptight. So it's crazy, just this thing of calming ourselves down physically. And then once we get calm, then we start examining our thinking for destructive thoughts. What was I thinking is really a good question because that's going to have a big bearing on whether, how it affects us emotionally. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the little adages that I've heard is we live in the feeling of our thinking. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if we feel a certain way, we need to ask ourselves the question, what was I thinking? And we can't necessarily turn a knob and change the way we feel, but we can begin changing our thinking. And if we change the way we think, we'll change the way we feel. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another way of, another translation is this, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And once you start seeing this in the Bible, there's a whole lot about dealing with everyday stress is when we start examining our thinking and start thinking differently. Our thoughts can have a huge impact on our emotions. So if we can calm our anxiety with breathing deeply and taking a break and then say, okay, what was I thinking? 
and let start adjusting that, we're going to find some real peace and joy coming into our minds uh, regarding the stress that we come to come up to every day in our lives. Wow, good thoughts. I just I'm just impressed with that natural tool that God's given us. Just that deep breathing. I mean, it, it's amazing yeah. how He thinks. Literally, literally knowing that we have to deal with stress. Well, amazing yeah. stuff. Powerful tools, Steve. I'm wondering as we close if you have any other final thoughts before we pray. Well, I would say this, Ian. I think it'd be a good idea for our listeners to maybe take one thing from the discussion that we had this time and last time and work on it. Don't try to implement everything, but take something that's really been meaningful to to to, the, to them. And then also just to let everybody know you are worth it to God, your family, and your church to take good care of yourself emotionally. And we love you. We need you for Christ's kingdom. So if people would like to email me, uh, they could to ask questions about some of this. They can contact me at steve at chup.org, and uh, we can keep the conversation going. But uh, very important stuff here that's changed my life. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And that's, Steve, to be honest, that's what's so powerful about it. You're not just sharing a theory. You're sharing what God has done in you and the practical tools you've learned. And everything you shared is invaluable. Thank you so very much. I wonder if you'd do us the final favor of just one last prayer for everyone here as they consider what to do about this, and uh, then we'll let you go. Sure. God, we want to thank you so much that you're our Father, that you love us, that you take care of us, that you are interested in our emotional health. Where we've gotten confused about what you're like, we pray you'd clear that up. Where we live out of shame, we pray you'd lift that shame off of us and help us to really see you as you are and we as we are. And help us with these beliefs that have been planted there by the enemy that we might be able to see ourselves clearly and see what other people around us the way you do. Thank you, God, that you care about us and that our emotional health is important to you and that you're working on us every day that we can trust you and know you better. We ask you to give us the grace and wisdom to move ahead and to take good care of ourselves and to honor you and live our lives fully in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again, Steve, for all your work and for being with us. And remember, everyone, you can find out more about this. Go to stevechup.com or email him at the address he gave earlier, and I know he'd be glad to help you further. Thanks again, Steve, and Lord bless you. And remember, everyone, that we'll be coming out again with another podcast soon. Sign up on iTunes, sign up on Podbean, and you'll be notified then when this comes out. Thanks again, Steve, and God bless you all. Thank you for joining us for the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at lifelinks.org.